So this all started late in 2015, when I was still in high school. I was crossing the bridge to go to school, and this very friendly man stopped me and asked me if I could fill a survey out about budgeting. I said sure, and when I was done, he told me to fill out my contact details and gave me reasons like he was a social worker, etc. Dumb me, of course, gave him my contact number. I was so naive. But at the very least, I was smart enough to give him a fake name. In 2016, I started receiving random messages from this very same guy and was getting super creeped out by it. He knew which school I went to because when I met him, I was wearing my uniform. And he started asking me personal questions. I tried to avoid all of them and generally didn't reply to him. But he kept texting me every day. And when he wished me happy Valentine's Day, I was like, nope. I blocked him because at that point I didn't feel safe at all. Later that year, we received a police notice calling for a witness because they arrested a few perverts in the area. In the notice they had several photos and I saw the very same man that had approached me to fill out the survey. I was disgusted. Turns out that he would use those surveys as a tactic to approach female teenagers and take photos of them and harass them in text later. I was shocked as well. My school was in a nice neighborhood and we all assumed there wouldn't be such creeps, but gosh, we were all wrong. I was glad he was caught by the police. To the photo taking creep, let's not meet again, but I did. After he was arrested, I graduated and started schooling. It was an hour's away drive from where I went to high school. I moved as well to the school dorm nearby. As I was walking home one day, I caught sight of him lurking at the bus stop nearby. I could never forget his face. He looked even more creepy, carrying a black bag, holding some papers that looked like the survey forms, while he was holding an old camera phone. I was super scared. How could he be here? Wasn't he arrested last year? Was he stalking me the whole time? I almost started crying and quickly called my friend and walked past him. Once he was out of sight, I ran home while on the phone. I was telling all my schoolmates to be careful, and soon enough the school was informed. The discipline master and a few PE teachers went to apprehend the stalker sometime later. They dragged him into the school's office and contacted the authorities. I was informed that he was released last year because of insufficient evidence. Apparently, the place where I live, taking photos of the girls in a not sexual nature is not a crime. They searched his flat and there wasn't anything incriminating other than a creep ton of photos of female students. After this incident, he disappeared, only to be stalking other girls in other schools. How I wish we would never meet again, but I still see him roaming near my school and dorm every now and then, trying to be discreet with his little camera phone. I'm moving to a university soon, and it will be pretty far away from him. However, will I ever be free from the stalker again? I don't know, but let's not meet again. This incident happened with me in my junior year of high school. My best friend had posted a story on his Instagram account, tagging me. A friend that he had from a previous school asked him about me because he found me interesting. My friend not thinking too much of it, just linked my profile and he sent me a request. I accepted it and he slid into my DMs. I was a pretty naive 11th grader and he managed to get my phone number from me too. Turns out he was a desperate guy 
and somehow needed a girlfriend to show off in front of his friends. I know I shouldn't be mean, but this guy was four feet tall and ugly as fuck. The above mentioned discoveries were made much later. A few days later, he talked to me and I was flattered by his smooth talk. I didn't say yes, thankfully. A few days later, I came to know about this guy and immediately blocked him from everywhere. Instagram, Snapchat, and WhatsApp. The next day my phone was blown up with calls and messages from numerous fake IDs he had made just to contact me. I never replied and even asked my friend to tell him to stop contacting me. But that didn't stop him. He became my stalker and things worsened when he started contacting my real friends and people from my previous school. Somehow bringing me up in conversation and asking about me. A lot of people came up to me asking about him and telling me how stupid I was to talk to him. After much persuasion and his numerous female friends coming to me to unblock him, I did. He started telling me particular details of my life. It felt like he knew everything about me, things that only a few people knew about me. He also knew my address and started coming after school just to see me. By this time, he had befriended each and every one of my friends. And because he never physically stalked me, I couldn't do much about it. Thank God we weren't in the same school. My birthday is around the corner, so he made a fake account. It was my name followed by birthday, and he started posting my images, which he collected by stalking my friends and me. I got that ID removed by getting it reported by all my friends, and I blocked him once again. Thank God he lost my number when he reformatted his phone, and I wasn't stupid enough to give him my phone number again. I'm in my senior year now and realize how grave that issue was. And thankful that I had dealt with it somehow. I'm not dating any guy, and I hope nobody gets such a creepy stalker like I did. So, the teeny guy who wanted to date me so bad, let's not meet again. I live in a fairly secure area, and have two dogs, one of which is a large Doberman, and the other is a poodle. I was home alone as my parents were out for the weekend. Our dogs bark a lot as they are protective and our neighbors really hated when the dogs barked and we would often get notes telling us to keep our dogs quiet. One of the more threatening ones was that they would hurt our dog if we wouldn't keep quiet. So my parents had taken the dogs to a dog kennel to avoid any complications. I was home alone playing video games and watching movies for the weekend. It was the night after they had left, and I was playing a video game. I think it was Rainbow Six. I was playing with a few friends online, and I had a microphone. I had my window open while I was playing, and my friends kept telling me to stop making that squeaky sound. I questioned what they meant, and my friends said they heard a loud banging. I removed my headphones, and that's when I heard the sound of something slamming against the gate. I peered out my window, and saw a tall stocky man with a black hoodie on. I decided to call 911, still watching the man from the window. I was talking to the 911 operator and they told me to lock myself in a room, get out of sight and the police officer was on their way to check it out. But I was overly curious and it got the best of me. So I decided to keep watching the man. He finally broke the wooden gate off the hinges, but he didn't enter. He just stood there with something strapped around his shoulder. A 
Upon further inspection, only from the moonlight, I saw it was a hunting rifle. That's when I decided to hide under the bed and listen out for anything. It was quiet, too quiet. A loud shatter broke the silence, which was a back door smashed and footsteps following. The intruder entered my house and it sounded like he was searching for something. He slowly crept up the stairs. I was getting more and more scared. All of a sudden, I heard a police siren and I made a stupid decision of bolting and trying to escape the house. I started down the stairs and turned a corner and was greeted by the large man. The man grabbed me by the neck and all I could hear was the police sirens getting louder. The police were knocking on the door and I was quickly losing breath from the man's grip. The man let go and I was able to grab his rifle and aimed it at him. I pulled the trigger but nothing. It didn't fire because I'm a dumbass and the safety was on. But the police shortly kicked down the door and tased the man. The man was found and charged for breaking and entering and carrying an unlicensed firearm. I'm thankful for my safety and I know everything could have ended very badly. I posted this in a comment in another post and another user suggested I share it here. So why not? So I've been on Grinder for about 10 years, five of which were legal. I'm not proud of it and had plenty of messed up experiences. This one in particular reminds me of when I was at a party without my car. I was 19 in college and my phone was at 10% but a decently hot grinder guy said he could pick me up and we could hang out at his place before he drove me home. So of course I jumped on the opportunity. Anyway, we got to his place and he got me pretty drunk which isn't usual for me but never tried to make a move. I assumed he was going to wait and just convinced me to stay the night later on. Finally my phone died after about 2 hours. The last 1% lasted a lot longer than the rest. And I didn't even have to say anything before he noticed it was dead. Then he stood up and was like, well let's go to the car then. When I asked him if he had a charger I could use he just said, no. After we got in the car he got kind of quiet and less flirty and I spaced out just enjoying his music and looking out the window. I didn't even notice that he never asked me where I lived till I realized we'd been driving for over an hour. Not even towards my town, but into the canyons of Greater Salt Lake City. I asked him where we were going and he just said, thought we could just go for a drive. And my drunk ass was like, oh, okay. So anyway, to make a long story shorter, he ended up taking us about four or five miles down a dirt road with no signs or houses until it dead ended into this cabin with no lights on or cars outside and he just parked and turned off his car. That's when the dread started to creep in as I sobered up. I said I drank too much and I should probably head home but he didn't even respond. He just sat there staring at the cabin. Then he was like, you said you like to be kinky. You're pretty submissive, correct? And I was like, uh, uh, sure, but I just meant like normal rough kind of stuff. Nothing wild. And he started to sound a little annoyed and his sentences seemed a little less carefully worded like he was spitting out the bare minimum effort in each thought. He said something about some of his favorite people are those who can find pleasure in pain and if someone goes into shock enough times eventually it becomes a drug and they crave it more. And then something about pushing a person into the deep end is the fastest way to teach them how to swim. At that point I was scared enough to assert myself and said firmly, 
Okay, well that sounds fun, but just not tonight. I just want to go home now. This place is creepy. And he just sighed and gripped his keys tighter. Then right as I glanced at his phone sitting in the cup holder, right before it occurred to me to grab it, he snatches it up so fast and held it in his left hand, kind of like behind his head, making it clear that I wasn't going to go near it. I made this kind of, what? sound. And he just gave me this almost, I'm proud of you son, half smile, like dads do when they pat your shoulder or something. It was quiet and he kept looking me up and down for a minute or so. Then got a little bit more gruff and said, Let's go inside. I have these friends you'll really like once you meet them. You'll feel a lot better. Or something to that extent. But he wasn't even trying to sound genuine or comforting like he had been doing so well earlier that night. Finally I lied and spoke up a bit and told him, I told my roommates and my friends I was meeting up with you before you picked me up. I sent screenshots of your face and some on the convo. They're going to freak out if I don't charge my phone and reply to them in the next few hours. I tried not to make it sound accusatory, but more like I was just worried that my friends would go crazy. But it was clear he knew what I was implying. At that point, he let out an exasperated, grunty sigh and started the car and we drove away. He kept his headlights off all the way back down the dirt road for some reason. Driving back, I got nervous about him stalking me or coming after me in the future. So I tried to apologize and tell him I was down to hang out another time. But tonight was just not feeling great for me. Blah, blah, blah. He didn't say a single word to me the whole drive back. He didn't ask me where I lived, and I didn't intend to tell him either. But he dropped me off at a McDonald's about 40 miles away from my apartment. And when I was stepping out, he suddenly leaned over and gave me a hard shove, so I almost fell out the rest of the way. He grabbed my backpack off the floor and flung it out his window across the parking lot and peeled out with the passenger door still open. He broke my laptop and cracked my phone, and I had to ask a stranger to use their charger and call an Uber. But at this point, I was just so anxious to get home, I didn't really give a crap. What's so weird is how, while this was happening, even though I was terrified, I guess I wasn't thinking about exactly what he was planning to do with me. I just knew I needed to get away. So it wasn't until I got home and got in the shower that I realized how messed up it was and what might have happened if I let him walk me into the cabin. I remember just being so shaken and smacked by the reality of it. Almost felt like a panic attack. So I sat down in the shower with my head between my knees and cried till the water ran cold and I got out and woke up my roommate. I told him about it and he kind of calmed me down. So while I still have a grinder account, I really just use it for an ego boost. I'm reluctant to meet up with anyone from it now. Anyway, girls and guys, I suppose the moral of the story is we gotta be goddamn careful out there. Back in community college, I rode the bus to and from college. The bus stop was walking distance to my house, so it was a huge help for me. When I'm on the bus, I always listen to music and look outside. Never at my phone, and never at anyone else. Guess that's how I never noticed the man always looking at me. One day I went to go on my computer to send memes and chat with my boyfriend through Facebook. Dude sits down in the chair next to me, looking at my memes, and says hi. Dude startled me immediately. He was like, hey beautiful, thought I'd finally come by and say hi. I see you on this bus a lot and thought you might want some company, you know? 
Um, who are you? And I think you're pretty. Um, I gotta go to class now. I leave, but not heading to class, just in case he follows me. He follows me a little bit, then turns around and leaves. After my class, dude shows up at my bus stop at the exact time my class ends and waits for me. Says the same stuff as last time. He repeats it for about a week until I finally tell the bus driver. The dude is following me and is creeping me out very much. The bus driver proceeds to close the door and drives off, leaving the creepy guy before he could get in. The creepy guy starts telling his classmates he's going to get laid soon. The only reason I know is because one of his classmates is my best friend. I pointed out to him my creepy stalker and my friend said he keeps talking and attempting to hook up with a chick and that he said he might get laid soon. The next time I saw him outside of my class I cussed him out. He proceeded to say, sorry baby I won't do it again. I'm not your baby and back off or I'm calling the police. I'm serious. I don't even know who the hell you are. After that I never saw the guy again. My roommate V was always at her boyfriend's place, so I was living essentially alone in a two-bedroom apartment with my friend, Esme, who was crashing with me while she was looking for her own place. She found a place online that was nearby, renting a master bedroom with an attached bathroom. Dad said female only, for way cheap. We checked out the Google Street View on my laptop, and it looked like a cute little beach house. She then rode her bike over there to check it out. She said there was two beach type white guys, a young, disheveled stoner guy, and a middle aged parrot head guy that would close talk while giving her obvious elevator eyes the whole time. She's a pretty petite Mexican girl and was about 21 but looked a lot younger. And the older guy kept saying that she was just what they were looking for, kind of slowly, in what she described as an uber creepy voice. The younger guy just stared and followed them around. She thought it was odd that they each slept in the tiny guest rooms and were renting out the master bedroom, but decided to take a look at it anyway. She said it was a really nice room with a big heavy wooden four post bed in the middle of the room that looked like it belonged in a castle and the bathroom had a huge shower with multiple shower heads on the walls, like it was built for a bunch of people to shower at once. She didn't really like being back in the bedroom with the two guys looming over her, so she said it was kind of stuffy and she wanted to make sure that her unlocked bike was still in the front yard. She all but ran to the front yard, and once she was outside with bystanders, she felt much better. So she's standing in the front yard with the older guy, and he's explaining that she can move in right away, but the bed has to stay exactly where it is. It comes through the room and is bolted to the floor, so it can't be moved. They have special seats for it and everything, and she can bring her stuff, but she can never move the bed. Also, she can have friends over, but only if they're young women, no men, and they can have sleepovers, but also need to sleep in the bed. They explain that the hardwood floors are just too uncomfortable, and the couches in the living room are swayed, so no one can sleep on them. All these reasons why the big pile of girls need to sleep in one bed. She is completely creeped out by the guy, and texts me to come over. I ride my bike over, and as I'm pulling up, she's leaving. We start to ride off, and a little ways away, we hear him yell out, It's mandatory, but we will have a blast. She kind of shudders, and I ask her what's up. She says she'll tell me over drinks, and we ride to the nearest beach bar. She explains about the room, 
the bed, the guys, and then tells me part of the deal is a mandatory skiing trip to Lake Tahoe in Northern California each year. She can invite girls on the trip that have been to the house before if the guys think that they're cool enough. It's free for her and her girlfriends, but mandatory that she goes with the guys as their official woman. There would be other men there, but they all brought their own women. He said it like women would be assigned to them or something. So our mind started racing and we convinced ourselves that the bedroom and the trip were some elaborate webcam situation or something. Needless to say, she never moved in or took them up on their free ski weekend offer. V ended up moving in with her boyfriend and Esme moved in with me for a couple of years. She was an awesome roommate. I'm a 20 year old female and started working in a call center last year. It was a team of around 40 people, so we didn't exactly all know each other well. There was this one guy that was 35 years old. I'll call him Craig. I could always sense that he was watching me. He had perfect view of me at my desk from his and his gaze would follow me whenever I walked anywhere. I never paid much attention to it because I didn't know him at all. One day I turned up to work and was called over by a couple of girls that I was friends with. I knew something was up because of the way that they were acting. They explained Craig messaged one of them asking for my number, saying how keen he was on me. I was immediately uncomfortable. There's quite an age gap between us and he always gave me a weird vibe. I felt weird but sort of brushed it off and laughed with my friends. I didn't let him get my number though. That day. We found out that Craig had lost his shit at the office after the rest of the staff had left the day before. He was abusing management and throwing things around the office. He ended up being fired and banned from the building. Later that night, I received a message request on Facebook. It was Craig. The message said how attractive he thought I was and that he could never stop staring at my ass. The fantasies he always had about me, etc. Basically just really disturbing stuff to hear from someone you've never even had a conversation with and was significantly older than you. So that's when it started. For the next five months I got a message every single day. Management and security at work were all informed of what was going on as I had concerns that he would show up to the office to see me. I was constantly worrying that he would try to find me. I had thought of just blocking him but my friends made the point that something like that could just aggravate him. I just put up with his messages and calls until one day it stopped and I still don't know why. So when I was 13, my friend who we would call Mary had a grandmother who ran a nail salon downtown. I grew up in a really, really small town in Alaska. When I was younger, it seemed like a really safe place, but as I got older, I realized just how corrupt and horrible it actually was, but at 13 I still wasn't totally aware of it. After school Mary and I would always walk to her grandma's nail salon. It was in a building with a few other shops and we would kind of just hang around and browse. There was a Thai restaurant that was our favorite and we'd eat there a lot and were pretty good friends with the restaurant owners. After some months of the same routine. Just hanging out every day caused me and Mary's family to become like family. Her grandmother, who we'll start calling Gretchen, 
had the idea of wanting to open a little coffee stand in there. The other shops were cookware stores, a clothes consignment shop, a game shop, and some other random ones. So we figured that would be a nice business, and she wanted Mary and I to work in the coffee stand while she was in the nail salon. I partially believe it's just because she wanted us out of her hair. Anyways, we went and trained properly. But since we were 13, we were being paid under the table. We had it set up right in front of the Thai restaurant. After about a week of the coffee stand being up and running, this guy who looked like 18 to about 20 years old would get a small vanilla latte every day and sit in the mall and kind of just watch us work, but also browse around the game shop. So we just thought he must have just lived nearby and liked to come there every day. And maybe we hadn't noticed him before because he obviously wasn't coming to get his nails done. He honestly looked kind of dirty and like he didn't care that much. When the months got hotter, we started walking home instead of our mom driving us. There were a lot of kids, so I didn't notice very much if people were behind us or in front of me. One of the nights we closed up the shop a little bit late. It was around 9pm, which in Alaska is still fully sunny and I noticed that someone was walking behind me, kind of close. I stopped dead in my tracks and didn't hear anything. So I kept walking and I was sure I heard it this time. I turned around rather quickly and there he was, the same guy from the mall, following me. I was 13 and shy, so I just kept walking and made a loop around and just walked to the mayor's office because the police station was too far. I called my dad from there because I felt much safer if he came to get me. This repeated in slightly different ways for about the next two weeks and eventually, I don't know how to this day, he found out where I lived. He would knock on the door, leave flowers, call our parents' phone, all kinds of crazy stuff. My dad finally helped me get a restraining order, but it took about a month to get anyone to take it seriously and to come see him at my workplace, as we had no idea what his name was. Once that was in effect, it stopped for only about one week, and then he started showing up again. He continued to stalk my home, and even hanging out by the fence of my school when school was back in session. Finally, I had enough. I moved in with my mom because she was, frankly, a better parent to me and taking it more seriously. She lived so far out that I couldn't walk anywhere and she had no electricity or running water, but I didn't care anymore. I felt much safer and so much more loved. I quit that job and I took the bus every day. Eventually he just disappeared and I never heard about or saw him ever again. I found myself at home one weekend night. My parents went out of town and I was returning from a canceled sleepover at my friend's house. The lights were on when I got to the door and I remember getting a phone call from that same friend shortly thereafter, which would end up being the last normal event of that night. My brother was playing video games in the next room and I could hear him tapping furiously at the video game while I spoke on the cordless phone. I walked around in the living room and ended the phone call in the kitchen when I remember hearing some sort of high-pitched squeal that came from the house somewhere. I couldn't place where it came from as it sounded the same in every room I went to investigate. It ended about a minute after it started and was interrupted by the phone ringing. 
but the phone wasn't in the kitchen where I left it. It was in the bathroom on the counter, in front of the sink. I answered the phone and there was no one there, so I hung up. It was at that point I heard a dragging sound. Like a large heavy object was being dragged in the attic crawlspace above me. I followed the sound as it slowly navigated from room to room and ended up in my parents' bedroom, who at the time still had a waterbed. After the sound made it to the far wall, it stopped and the phone rang again, and this time it was my friend on the other line. I told him what was going on and he told me to be careful and call the police. After I got off the phone, I laid down on the waterbed. I then heard a knock on the door and answered it quickly, but no one was there. It was at this point I called my brother from his room to check something out. I stormed into his room and there's nobody there. His bed was made and his room spotless. Neither the console nor the TV was on and the controller was wrapped and unplugged. There's no way he could have hid and cleaned his room in those few seconds it took me to make it to his door of his room. I had been alone the entire night. Hearing for 20 minutes straight my brother playing his game that he was not present to be playing. The phone rang again, but again, it was not where I left it. This time it was resting on the kitchen counter where I originally left it. So I walked through the entire house to answer it. It was my friend calling again, this time saying that the call was dropped for some reason and he was trying to call me back. I explained to him what just happened and I heard another knock on the door. Since I was standing right next to it, I peeked through the window within two seconds of the knocks, and there was nobody there. At this point, I opened the door and stepped out to the porch to make sure I didn't see anyone running away, as I had a large, wide-open yard, and there's nothing to hide behind. I walked into the front yard and looked around, but couldn't find anything. I found myself engaged in several more minutes of talking to my friend before I got off the line. And it was at that moment where I realized that the place I had been staring at while I was talking were two very large black reflective eyes looking back at me. The figure was tall and lanky and stood about 10 feet or so from me. The most notable feature he wore was an inhumanly large smile and he was grinning with oily mechanical teeth from literally ear to ear. Despite me staring directly at him for more than 5 minutes I pretended that I didn't notice him and through willpower alone, made it back inside the house without running as fast as I could. Instead, I walked calmly. I remember feeling like if I ran, he would chase me, and somehow knew that he would have caught me easily. I barricaded myself in my room for the rest of the night, but did not fall asleep. The sun came up the next morning, and my parents were home. Nothing like that ever happened before, and nothing like that has ever happened since. I've gotten used to checking Craigslist before buying anything new, so when my ice cream maker died, I headed over there. I found the one I wanted, new in the box, and emailed to see if it was still available. For some reason, I assumed I was talking to a woman, and we made plans to meet up. I had gotten sort of careless about meeting in a public place, and had agreed to come to her home, believing that she had several small kids that made it difficult for her to leave. I was supposed to go after work, and we switched to text messages so they could give me the address and so that I would let them know when I was on my way. 
I had gotten home and they texted me the address. My normal routine at this point would have been to hop into the car and use my TomTom, but since I had just booted up my PC while waiting, I decided to use Google Maps. I typed in the address and it showed that a registered sex offender, violent sex offender, and child sex offender lived there. I googled the phone number and the same person came up. I let them know I wasn't coming, went to a Walmart, and spent $5 more to buy it there. So Mr. Sex Offender, who tried to lure me with ice cream, let's not meet. A few months ago, my sister started talking to this boy online named Ben. The two of them had a lot in common and were only about a year apart in terms of age. We didn't think anything of it at first because it's normal to have online friends these days. My sister is really introverted, so it was nice to hear that she had someone to chat to. From what I understand, Ben was also there for her emotionally too, if that makes sense. My sister became quite attached to him. Ben also introduced her to a few of his friends as well. They all seemed like your typical edgy teenagers, the kind that post selfies with emo song lyrics and stuff like that. Ben seemed like a normal caring friend and even messaged me a couple times when he was concerned about my sister being upset. He seemed genuine and I was happy that my sister found someone like this. One day, my sister asked my mom if she could meet up with Ben in the city. He lived in another state and had organized to spend a week in our state with his aunt. So it seemed like the perfect opportunity for them to meet up. They arranged a date and time to meet in the city and my mom had accompanied her. When that day came though, he didn't even show up. He made some excuse up that his aunt wouldn't drive him there. And we figured she was probably concerned about Ben meeting someone he had only known over the internet. I admit, I did have a really bad feeling about their meetup while we waited for Ben to show up, but I stupidly ignored it. My sister, understandably, was quite upset that he hadn't showed up. Ben messaged me to apologize to us for having to run around after him. He explained that his aunt could be unreasonable sometimes. At the moment, I genuinely believed he was a decent person and wasn't lying about his situation. After a couple of months passed with just the two of them chatting away like normal, at some point, my mom gets the idea that she and my sister could fly to his state and meet him. Ben liked the idea, and so they ordered their flight tickets. One day out of the blue, my sister burst into my room, clearly frightened. She told me to block Ben and the two friends he introduced me to earlier. When I asked why, she explained to me that Ben had been a cover-up identity for a person that had previously threatened her using another account. All of the pictures he posted were from someone else's account. She found this out and confronted him. His two friends that we had chatted with on posts and everything were all fake accounts run by him to keep up the illusion. The person after being confronted by my sister admitted that they were keeping tabs on my sister. They had been chatting for months and she had likely told him personal things too. The flight tickets were immediately canceled after my mom found out and we were all spooked about the whole thing. I still am. I am even a little paranoid to share this. We couldn't tell the police because my sister was a dingus and didn't keep a copy of the messages the account sent her. The account was taken down after we informed the guy whose pictures were stolen about the incident. So whoever this person is, let's never cross paths again.
spent all night reading through these. Some of these stories are truly bizarre. It inspired me to write about my incident that normally I would hate to even talk about because it was honestly one of the most disturbing things I have ever experienced. This all started in January 2019, so it's pretty recent. For some background context, I'm a young gay man living in a very populated city. So weird things are bound to happen, especially when using the gay dating app Grinder. I'm sure you've all heard of it. When this all started, I was living in a big city in northern Florida, but I had plans to move in the next few weeks. My two friends had came down to celebrate my moving away, and also one of their birthdays. We hung out in the city for a day, and then we drove to Miami together. It was a lot of fun, for the most part, but the story begins the last day of my vacationing there. We were at a brunch place, preparing to say goodbye to the city and drive back home so we could pack my things and relocate them to where I live now. I received a notification on Grindr saying that I had received a new message. I opened the message and it simply said hi or something of that sort. It was from a blank profile and it said it was sent using the feature called explore, meaning this person wasn't local to Miami but lived elsewhere. I replied, not minding the faceless profile because a lot of men on the app weren't open with their sexuality and didn't want to take the risk of people in their actual life finding out about them. We make small talk, exchange names and such. He seemed like a really nice person. He eventually sent me a few pictures of him and he was very attractive looking. He asked me for my number and I was so flustered by Miami and saying goodbye to my temporary friends and I just gave it to him without thinking about what could come of it. I now regret this deeply. We texted over the next few days and things seemed pretty normal. We talked a lot, just casual chit chat, asking about our careers, goals, etc. Nothing strange. And then I noticed a notification from a cash app that I had received $100 from a random username that I didn't recognize. The memo was an eggplant emoji. I was confused and started texting my friends, telling them that some random person accidentally sent me $100 and how he would have to send me more in order to ask me to return it since that was the only way you could communicate on this app. We got a laugh out of this and I decided to just return the money because I would be really upset if I was on the other end of the equation and I had generously donated that amount of money to some random person. Before I was able to do that though, my new grinder texted me and said, don't ask me for any more. That's all I can give you. I will block you if you ask me for any more. I was so confused. I never asked this man for any money. I have no idea how he even got my cash app username. I know you can look people up by using their phone numbers, but I hadn't even linked my new number up to this app yet. I replied asking how he got my information, but he wouldn't say anything about it. I guess I just dropped it because free money, and I'm an idiot like that. Time goes on and things are getting a little weird between texts. He begins to ask me to send pictures of my feet, which in itself isn't weird. I don't like to kink shame, but something just felt very off about him at this point. It's as if I was talking to a new person. I tell him that he needs to calm down a bit and things were getting uncomfortable for me, to which he agrees. Time goes by and eventually insinuates that I should move back to Florida, to the city where he was located, and that he could take care of me. I firmly decline, which he says, well then, I will come to you. At this point, alarm bells are going off, and I'm thinking, I've got to put an end to this. 
I don't reply right away, and he tells me he's always wanted to come to my current city. What? How the hell did he know where I live? I didn't give him any of my social media, or even if I had, there's no way that he could have known because I intentionally withheld that information online about me relocating as I was tired of everyone knowing my business. I've always had my location on Grinder set to off, so he couldn't see where I was or how many miles away I was from him. I told him at this point he needs to leave me alone and I didn't wish to talk to him anymore. I didn't block him though because I was starting to get paranoid and wanted to have record of things he would say in case shit got super weird, which of course it did. First, he told me that he was sorry for lying and sent me a few pictures of what he actually looked like. I hate to sound like a jerk, but something was seriously off with the way this person looked. Almost every picture had a big, disturbing smile and wide eyes staring directly into the camera, very close up. He was probably in his 30s and looked like he didn't take care of himself very well. His skin was uneven and gray, and he had a short beard that looks like it hadn't had any maintenance at all, if that makes any sense. One of the pictures looked like it might have been an accident, because his face was blurry and was very angrily looking into the camera with a hateful, evil expression on his face. He also sent me one of his mouth, but only his big smile picture. Nothing else was in it. There was pictures of his apartment, as well, and it looked almost empty, other than a small table with photographs of unknown people on it. Also a fire hydrant was in there. It was very weird. I didn't reply to any of these, and that resulted in a sting of angry texts from him telling me that he wished he never met me and that he hates me. Throughout all of this weird, uncomfortable, and filthy texts he sent, there were a few disturbing things. He sent me a link to his YouTube page, which I did end up viewing. And his videos were him just literally talking to himself and making jokes to himself. There were about 10 plus of them, and I was the first viewer, although the videos had been up for months. If that wasn't weird enough, whenever he would pause in between sentences in the videos, I'd hear faintly in the background what sounded like muffled screaming. And every so often after hearing the screaming, I would hear him hold back a very high-pitched, sinister laugh that sounded nothing like him. I could tell from the sound quality that it was something that this man was producing and not a bystander. Most of the videos have since been deleted and I don't know why. I write poetry and at some point he was begging me to send some of my poetry. He also sent me a link to WordPress which I also viewed and the poems are somehow actually written by him like extremely beautiful poems. But I realized that the things he was saying in them made absolutely no sense. I tried analyzing them any way I could because I was trying to figure out what was wrong with this guy and none of them made sense. He would randomly send me small amounts of money on the app, I guess in an attempt to get me to talk to him. Fast forward a little bit and I was still receiving messages from him every 10 minutes that I wasn't replying to. These were weird. Here are what some of them said. Did you block me, you little bitch? You want to put me out of your life, you little bitch? That's fine. But it's an irreversible decision. When you push me out of your life, you don't get me back in. When you feel dumb about it later. And you will. I'm the best thing that has happened to you in years. It's a privilege to know me. You want to clear space out for someone more deserving? Because you're an uppity little bitch. Not a problem. You're not getting rid of me. I withheld some of the more vile and descriptive ones. Describing what he would do to me sexually. Because I don't like to read them or think about them. 
He would also reply to his own text almost instantly and apologize for what he said and told me, please don't go, and things like that. I finally broke down and told one of my best friends about this, who is also gay but very muscular and protective of me. I don't know, he just makes me feel safe somehow, and I didn't know who else to tell. He immediately got real mad and took my phone and called him. He told him aggressively that he was my boyfriend and the creepy grinder guy needs to stop reaching out. Grinder guy was silent, then suddenly starts hysterically laughing and making the most inhumane, god-awful noises I've ever heard. Speaking sentences that were English, but his words did not make sense together at all, and just really creeped us out. The look on my friend's face still gives me chills. He never gets uncomfortable, but he was just staring at me with a blank expression. And it was at that moment I realized that I should have blocked this man as soon as I realized something was off. I didn't know what to do, I guess. After the call, he texts me horrible things and then says sorry. And this is a cycle for about 15 minutes until he sends me this. The private Facebook message you may see were all written before this conversation via text phone tonight. So naturally discard them. I had no idea what he was going on about this Facebook thing. I looked and couldn't find anything. This final exchange happened about a month and a half ago. I thought this was the end until about two weeks ago. I was exploring a nearby city with the same friend. We were walking out of the museum and I see someone that looked very familiar leaning against a cement wall to the left of the big stairs that were at the entry of the museum. He was staring at us, but I couldn't make anything out of it. I ignored it and we hopped on the bus to take us to a nearby restaurant for lunch. It wasn't until we got into the restaurant that I realized who the man was. It was him, the creepy grinder guy. I was sure of it. I have no idea how he knew where I was, but I knew he traveled over a thousand miles to come to this area I was living in. I didn't mention it to my friend because I seriously was really creeped out, but I think that I'm going to tell him when we hang out again because I don't want anything to happen to him either. Luckily, I moved again a few weeks later. This time, very, very far away. I consider taking this to the police, but I don't know if I really have options. This was the weirdest, most uncomfortable experience of my life. I was about to start my freshman year in high school, and unlike 97% of the kids in my middle school, I went to a school based of technology, and instead of books and paper, we used computers. Junky free Chromebooks the school provided were not my taste, so my father and I searched Craigslist for a Mac, and after a few days, we hit the jackpot. A 350 buck used Mac Pro in great condition. My father and I met the lady at a coffee shop. She was short, skinny, and very happy. I gave her the money, and she gave me the laptop, looking almost new. We opened the Mac to go set it up. The green webcam light turns on. That meant the camera was showing our face. I thought nothing of it at first and shrugged it off, but for two months of using it, the green light stayed on day and night every time I used it. During lunch, my friend suggested that I put a piece of tape over the camera just in case. So I grabbed some duct tape from my art closet and placed a small piece over the webcam. After that, the green light finally turned off. This happened a few years ago at a gaming event in London. 
I'm very active on Twitch, and a bunch of my friends were traveling from all over to go to this event. I was a moderator for this channel, and another one of the mods was from the Netherlands, who I was very good friends with at the time. He told me he wasn't going to the event because it was too expensive. Skip forward to the day of the event. I get a message on my phone from this mod saying he's outside of the event and he would like to meet up with us. Turns out, he had been planning to come all along, but was just aiming to surprise us with his presence. At this point, it's important to note, this group consisted of three boys and three girls. And us three girls decided that we were going to leave the event early to go get ready for the party that evening. As we were trying to leave, he tried to come with us. Even though we kept proclaiming that it was literally just us three girls going back to my place to get changed and flashy for the party which in hindsight was very creepy of him to want to come with us. We all arrived at the party and the drinks are flowing and he keeps actively making too much of an effort to spend time with me, giving me drinks, interrupting my conversation with people and just becoming a general hindrance. It got to the point where I was literally trying to hide from him the whole rest of the night. As it approached kickout time for the party, a whole group of us moved on to a nightclub that was nearby where he just stood and watched us all dance, literally like a statue. It was beyond creepy. And several people up to this point had pointed out his weird behavior towards me. Around 3 a.m., we all make the move to the train station to head our separate ways. Me and another girl had to go the same way as she lived a few train stops away from me. As I was about to leave, he approached me and said, I'd like to take you home. I have nowhere to stay tonight. And as I planned to walk around London taking photos, it'd be no bother to me. Alarm bells started ringing. He traveled all this way, knowing that he had no place to stay. A creepy middle-aged guy who had a surprise visit a group of younger people in another country, and he wants to take me home. Hell no. I politely declined and explained I lived rather far out of London, and it would be too long of a trip for him to take to escort me home, when I already had my friend for my journey. I dart around saying goodbye and make a swift exit before he can notice that I'm gone. It's now 5am and I am home. My window faces the same direction as the front of the house. I'm getting changed, preparing for bed, and I go to close my curtains. There's a strange figure standing outside my house. It was very dark and I couldn't make it out, but from their stature, I immediately recognize this gentleman, similar stature, to the guy that traveled across the country to spend literally every living moment with me. Whether it was him or not, I will never be sure, but I have never ran downstairs quick enough to make sure the front door was locked than I did in that moment. Safe to say, I didn't sleep that night. The next day, there were talks in the mod chat after he mentioned that he went traveling on the underground to visit different areas, but never really confirmed where he went or what he saw. So I guess I'll never know if it was him, but if it was, I never want to see him again. TV shows and movies usually depict abductors driving white vans or black vans. I didn't realize this until I decided to buy a white 1994 Dodge Ram cargo van to haul some of my gear I needed for work. Driving it, I've been pulled over by cops and searched three times for no reason, but that's another story. The point is, some people see vans as suspicious. One day while returning home, 
A woman pushing a stroller stared at me for a long time while I drove along my home street. We had speed bumps and I had a lot of expensive delicate gear in the van so I was driving very slow. She stared at me wide eyed the entire time. So I smiled at her like a friendly neighbor does. She was staring so intently that she almost walked her stroller right off the edge of the curb. I thought it was funny and I almost forgot about it. A week later our HOA email thread heats up when a resident sends a notice that his wife and toddler were being stalked by a man in a white van. Fearing a pitchfork and torch mob mistaking me for a creeper, I replied to all, saying I lived in the neighborhood and I also drive a white van. I even provided my license plate number and home address. Big mistake. Jokingly, I added that I witnessed a suspicious person in the neighborhood as well. A woman with a stroller who was staring at me so long and hard, it made me uncomfortable. I provided the date and time of the incident to see if their alleged stalker was actually me. It was. Dude got triggered. He started sending me email after email, CCing everyone on the list, telling me he can read between the lines of what I was saying. His accusations became more and more ludicrous, and he started with personal attacks. Several neighbors on the email list replied saying that he was behaving badly. The emails eventually stopped, but things got even weirder. On several occasions while I walked my dog, a 10-ish year old girl would come out of her house, run over to me, and awkwardly chat me up about my dog, and gave me strangely intimate details of her life. I wondered why this child would talk to strangers, but thought maybe she just knew me from the neighborhood, so I politely played along. Then one day this girl shows up at my house. She said she was angry because her dad won't let her have a dog like mine. She said she wanted to visit for a while. I told her that I need to talk to her parents before I could let her visit my home like this. She said okay and left and I never saw her anymore. I have two daughters and one of their friends told me the girl who was chatting me up was the daughter of the trigger dude from the HOA email list. He had been sending her out to talk to me and taking pictures. My daughter's friend was friends with this bait girl. Poor girl's dad was making his own daughter uncomfortable which is why she confided in her friend. The dad was sending his daughter out to chat with me so he could accuse me of I don't know what. One detail I forgot to mention, I have dash cams in all my vehicles and CCTV monitoring my front door. So the initial incident as well as the girl coming to my door were recorded. I emailed the trigger dude and kindly offered him copies of the videos of each incident. I also told him I was concerned that his daughter was behaving inappropriately towards strangers. Apparently this scuttled his plan. I never heard from him again. I have a few somewhat creepy stories, but this one takes a cake as the freakiest. I was about 16 at the time. Anyways, my family and I went to visit some relatives we had in a foreign country. I was born and raised in the United States, but we still go back every so often to visit our relatives. My dad didn't want to keep paying for a hotel, so a few years back, we bought an apartment. This trip was our first time staying at the apartment. The way the apartment is set up is the living room is where the entrance is, and the only air-conditioned spot. My dad was still back in the United States, finishing up some business, as he was going to meet us there in a later time. So it was my mom, my three brothers, one older, two younger, and I. The landlord who had given my mom a key sort of was creepy from her description. 
but it didn't really alarm anyone that much. Also, important to the story, my mom got the key and met the landlord alone since we were still taking care of things at my uncle's house. It's now been a few weeks and my mom couldn't stay at her room since there was no air conditioning and I don't blame her, so we all slept in the living room. Nothing out of the ordinary happened until four weeks into the stay. It was around 2 a.m. My mom was waking me up, but her finger was over her mouth, basically saying, keep quiet. My mom never does this, so I shot up and made a hand motion, asking her what was going on. She pointed at the door, and someone was jiggling the doorknob. I had forgot to lock it, but thank God my older brother got into the habit of chain locks from his days in college. It should be noted that my brother was dead asleep in another room, so I was now the oldest male. My mom was distraught, and I was thinking about what to do. I was still thankful that we at least had the chain lock, but I think the man on the other side of the door noticed that that was all. I see a face pressed up from the small gap, and I shit you not, it was the landlord. After about 10 minutes, he finally gave up, or so I thought. The next thing I see is a coat hanger trying to open the chain lock. I finally decide to do something, so I body check the door, slamming it shut. I locked the actual lock and yelled in a foreign tongue what would be the equivalent of piss off. I looked through the peephole and the man seemed surprised to hear a man's voice. I guess he assumed it since my mom was the only one to check in that she was the only one living there. He scrambled down the stairs. All said and done, he was gone by 2.30. I looked out the window across the street at the landlord's house and he just stared at me as he turned off the lights in his house. When we woke up in the morning, I told my brother, he still credits himself for the chain lock. I do too, but I think I deserve a little credit. We called the police, but they said there wasn't really any evidence, and it was my word against his. My mom wasn't really sure if it was the landlord, but I swore it was him. I had seen him. My dad arrived four days later, and we told him the story. He met the landlord and agreed he was creepy. My dad actually believed me, and my mom didn't feel safe there anymore, so we left the apartment that day. As we drove away, the landlord gave me a little smirk and a wave. By now it was daylight, and I kind of wanted to beat the crap out of him. Anyways, to the creepy guy who tried to break in and probably attack my mom, let's never meet. The following is a very true experience. I've never actually wrote this down before, and I don't know if anyone has experienced this too. This happened between 1989 and 1990, and I was at the age of about four years old. To this day, I still get chills thinking about it, and I wonder if some way, unknown, it changed me. My parents had a house in the Inland Empire of Southern California and at the time, my brother hadn't been born yet, so I was the only child. To give you a layout, my parents' house was a two-story house, located in a cul-de-sac. On the bottom floor, there was two bedrooms, the living room and the kitchen. The second floor was just the master bedroom and bath. All you could see from the street was the garage and one of the bedroom windows on the bottom floor. 
and the window of my mom's bathroom on the second floor. To get in the front door, you had to walk through the cement pathway that ran alongside the house. You had to pass the first bedroom that you could see on the street. Then you would pass the bathroom window and another bedroom window, and then you'd be at the front door. The backyard was beyond this point. My bedroom at the time was the first bedroom next to the front door. My blinds weren't completely down on the bottom window. There was about a six inch gap with nothing covering it. I was pretty young, so I didn't really care much about it then. The bed was in the middle of the wall, across from the bedroom door, and to the left was the window. According to my mom, this all happened right before midnight. My mother was asleep in her room upstairs, and my dad was a policeman that worked nights in another city. I was fast asleep in my room, and out of nowhere, I suddenly awoke, looking up at the ceiling. I don't know what woke me, or if I just popped awake on my own. After my eyes adjusted to my nightlight of my bedroom, I sat up and started looking around my room. All of a sudden, something caught my eye at the window, in the gap. First, I thought it was a street light reflecting off my window, but I knew for a fact there was only one street light, and what I was looking at was obviously two spots, and they were spaced apart as if on someone's face. Then I thought, is that a cat looking at me? And yes, I vividly remember thinking these things, trying to debunk this as a four-year-old. I had remembered that my cat's eyes would reflect the light too, but this looked different from that. The cat's eyes would almost have different colors when reflecting. These were two solid, white, glowing eyes, just looking straight at me. I stared at them frozen stiff, trying to make sense of what I was seeing. I couldn't see a face at all. The eyes were just too bright and nothing else stood out. The void or face around the eyes looked blacker than the night. I thought again, well if this was a cat, how would it get up to my window and look in? The curiosity got me and I went for it. I flipped off my covers, turned my four-year-old body towards the window and put my feet on the floor. This is the moment the creepiest thing happened and it will forever be burned into my brain. I got off my bed and got on my knees to get a closer look at this so-called cat. When at this very moment, this faceless pair of glowing white eyes began to slowly and steadily tilt to the side, eyes still locked on me, not blinking once. The feeling of dread and fear shot through my body. Completely terrified, I burst into tears and immediately booked it down the hallway and through the living room then up the stairs to tell my mom. Although I was running pretty fast, it felt like it took forever. When I got to my mom, I was so upset that I couldn't get any words out. Tears were streaming down my face and my mom was becoming seriously concerned at this point. She was able to calm me down, just enough for me to get out the words. There, there's white eyes looking at me through my window on the bottom. Are you sure? My mom asked and then I cried out, Yes. She didn't even go to take a look. She just called the police. I don't remember the time it took for them to arrive or what she said to them, but I finally fell asleep in my mom's bed. I do remember faintly waking up to a knock on the door and my mom going to open it. The cops spoke to her and I hear her say, Okay, thank you. Good night. And she shuts the door. Did they find him, mommy? 
I asked half asleep. No, honey. He said he couldn't find anyone. My mom told me softly. It's okay now. Just try to go back to sleep. It's safe to say the next day, my window was covered. Years fast forward, and I'm in middle school now. Every now and then I would think about that night. Sometimes I wonder if that moment was real. If the eyes were really there. Those unforgettable white eyes. One random day the thought came up, and I asked my mom if she remembered that night. She tells me, yes, of course, why? I don't know, just wondering, I guess. Then my mom proceeds to say, well, I never told you this, but, but when the deputy came that night, he told me that they made it a priority to get out to our house as soon as they could, because not very long before I called 911, they received another call from someone else reporting someone looking in their window in our same neighborhood. Hearing the scent chills down my spine, and to this day, I wonder who or what was looking at me that night. So this happened last night. I was at a classmate's house working on a group project we have due tomorrow. I live in an apartment in the town where the university is located. And my classmate lives at his parents' house, which is in the foothills of the town. In order to get to the town, you have to drive along a relatively secluded and narrow two-lane road for about five to six miles. We started working on the project at about 6 p.m. And I ended up hanging around for a while after we finished. So I left his house pretty late, around 11 p.m., and started down the road back to the town. I didn't realize how tough it would be to navigate the road at night. There were no street lights, and the road was unkempt and riddled with potholes. On top of this, I had no cell service, so I had to drive very slowly and make sure I didn't blow out one of my tires, since I used a spare a couple weeks back. I figured I was about three miles from the house when I rounded a tight corner and saw a pickup truck with a camper shell parked diagonally across the road. The manner of which it was parked completely impeded my path, so I couldn't drive around it because there was a gully on both sides of the road. The only way for me to go at this point was backwards, where there was a pull-off that I could use to turn the car around. At first I couldn't see inside the cab. But when I turned on the high beams, I saw that there was a man slouched over in the driver's seat, his head resting on the steering wheel, as if he had been knocked out after a bad accident. I immediately sensed something was wrong. The way the car had just coincidentally came to a rest in the position that totally blocked the road was a big red flag for me. I've heard stories about people playing dead on the road to lure unsuspecting people out of their cars so they could rob them. I decided to screw this shit. I elected to go back to my classmate's house and explain what was going on. I threw the car into the reverse and kept my eyes darting back and forth from my rear view to the truck. I looked and saw I was almost to the pull-off where I could turn around. When I looked back, my heart skipped five beats. The man who had been slouched down in the driver's seat was now walking towards my car in a fast pace while a few other men jumped out of the camper and started moving towards me as well. I panicked and accelerated backwards to the pull-off, which messed up my undercarriage of my car pretty bad. As I pulled into the drive, the guy had already reached my passenger side and was tugging on the door, which, thank the Lord, was locked. I only caught a brief glimpse of him, 
but his face appeared to be scabbed and leathery. Definitely a meth head or some sort of drug abuser. I sped away and didn't slow down at all until I reached the house. I was consistently checking my rearview mirror to see if they were following me. Thankfully, they didn't follow me. And when I reached the house, I explained what happened to my classmate and we called the cops. I was grateful that my buddy's parents were kind enough to let me stay that night. They didn't find anyone along the road matching the description, but I filed an incident report and they said that they would look out for similar vehicles and suspicious activity. But holy shit, I'm still shook up over it. I keep getting the same adrenaline rush I got when the guys started charging me whenever I think about it. This happened a long time ago, late 90s. I was 19. I moved from Oregon to Florida to be with my boyfriend at the time. Don't ever do that. I was thinking white sand beaches and Mickey Mouse, but instead I got the swamp, bugs and dirt roads. It was a huge shock to the system. We lived in a dinky little town called Hawthorne, just outside of Gainesville. Don't ever go there. Very small, with one stoplight and four stores, Dollar General, Steve's Market, Eckert's Pharmacy, and Sunny's Barbecue. Anyway, I got a job at Eckert's in the middle of town. It was next to the grocery store, so everyone shopped there. After about three months of working there, I walked to start my shift one day, when the manager pulled me into his office. Laid out on his desk was about 30 to 40 open letters all addressed by hand to me. Do you know this person? My manager asked. No. Read one. So I picked the cheerful yellow one. Inside were two handwritten letters and magazine cutouts of a woman with long blonde hair, just like me. As my manager watched on, I read the letter. I skipped around a lot of confusion, desperately trying to find out why I was in this room. From what I read, it was mostly someone imagining what spending time with me would be like. A lot of it was sexual nature. There were descriptions and comments about my hair, washing it, smelling it, and something about the moonlight. A few sentences were highlighted. Others were underlined. My first thought was, am I getting fired? Do you know this, David Elroyd? I said yes, I think so. The tall, lengthy guy with thick glasses and frizzy, dark blonde hair. The regular who comes in a couple times a week to pick up Diet Coke and medication for his mom. Late 20s and obviously socially or mentally challenged. On rare occasions, he would try to make small talk as I rang up his soda. Once or twice, he would linger around the register and just stare at me. But I figured he was just trying to adjust his eyes or had poor social cues harmless compared to some of the other people I had met in Florida. So I didn't pay him any mind until that day in the Eckerd's office. I knew he had wrote the letters because of the strange encounter two weeks earlier. While working, he came up from behind me and caressed my hair. I had to remove his hands and then he apologized. Weird. No harm. I went back to work. After telling my manager about this, He informed me that the customer was going to be banned from the store and I was being sent home while they worked out the details. 
What details? Confused, I walked out the store and drove home. Two hours after I got home from my non-shift at work, there was a knock at my door. I looked out the window to see what resembled a SWAT team. What the hell? I saw men in tactical gear with large weapons and two men dressed in suits and several ununiformed cops in what seemed like slow motion to me. I opened the door. A female holds up an oddly familiar letter. Can we come in and talk about these? Realizing that everyone in town had read the letters, I wanted to pass the hell out. I didn't even know the guy. We sat in the seat on my couch and she begins to speak. Out of the corner of my eye, I see my boyfriend shooting me dirty looks from the bedroom. The female officer mentions getting the letters from Eckerd's and attempting to issue a trespassing notice. They wanted to speak to him directly, she said, because the whole department was aware of David. The officers confronted him at his residence and attempted to invoke a trespassing notice from Eckerd's store. Apparently, he was not happy about this. He insisted for over 45 minutes that it was some kind of big mistake. He was so combative and persistent, they decided to pursue stalking charges. Stalking charges? She continued, you need to be aware that David killed and partially dismembered his mother's body when he was 12 years old. He was just released from the juvenile psychiatric facility less than four years ago. We found disturbing materials at his home, she continued. We believe he's been stalking you. My mind kept wandering. But the Diet Coke, he said it was his mom's favorite drink. David was arrested the next day for stalking after he was found in the Eckert's parking lot. But the last official word was he went back to the psychiatric hospital, at least temporarily. I didn't have a chance to read the letters of fool because they were entered into evidence. Nor did they explain what they found at his house. So I never had a complete picture of what was happening. My boyfriend at the time was a huge dick about everything. So I moved back to Oregon a few weeks later. Besides, who wants to hang around when Norman Bates is fixated on you? This happened a little bit ago, about a month, and it was a bizarre experience to say the least. I'm 15, and I was playing video games before passing out. It was about, say, 11pm when I hear the doorbell ring. Out of instinct, I began to walk downstairs, but about halfway there, rationality came to mind. Who the hell rings the doorbell at 11pm? I silently went back upstairs and stood in the hall, kinda expecting something bad to happen. A minute later, it rings twice. My parents began to leave their room and gave me a puzzled look, and I responded with a shrug. Then he starts banging on the door. My mother jumped at the first bang. My father's eyes widened, but more in confusion than fear. He decided to go downstairs and peep through the view hole. It was our neighbor. My dad hesitantly opened the door, and I could hear my father's voice tremble slightly. Hey, what do you need? Next thing I hear is an entire full-blown scream argument from my neighbor, claiming that this household was his and that we had stole it from him. My father's uneasiness was quickly replaced by annoyance, and he simply shut the door without giving my neighbor the time of day. 
My dad stepped on the first step, going to the stairwell, when our neighbor first hit the door. I'm not talking about a bang with a fist. This man did a full body slam into it. My father was stunned for a second, and my neighbor charged at the door again. This time, we began to hear the splintering of wood. Everyone reacted at once. My father went to brace the door with his body. My mother went to get the other two kids, and I went to call 911. The body slamming ensued for another five minutes, and while I was on the phone with 911, it stopped. I thought it was over, and I was relieved, but I still stuck on the phone. I go to peek out the front window of my house, and boy, was it only getting started. Our neighbor took off in his Jeep Wrangler and simply directed it straight at our house. We had zero clue what he was doing, until he hit the gas and we heard the squealing of his tires. Then he immediately hit the brakes. He was trying to scare us out of our house. I was still on the phone with 911. I stepped away from the front window to comfort my siblings, crack jokes and such. Eventually the police arrived and arrested him. The next morning, I left for school, still shaking from the night before. I stepped onto the front step and saw tire marks leading up to our front door. The lunatic nearly rammed our front door with his car. I really want to say I never saw this guy again, but he lives directly to my right. This happened last year when I was 15. Me and my friend, I'll call her Kate, were messing around in our neighborhood one day. We were on the other side of the road, playing around with sprinklers and other stuff like that. Suddenly Kate said to turn around and look behind me. I did, and when I looked at the home behind us, I saw someone looking through the window. I couldn't really tell what he looked like, so I just ignored it and turned around. A few minutes later, Kate told me to look again. I did, but this time there was a woman with him at the window. They were just staring at us, and I began to feel uneasy. But again, I turned back around and ignored them. As the sun went down, I went back to my house, which was across the street, and Kate went to hers, which was a few blocks away. A couple hours later, around 10 p.m., my phone lit up. I was watching Orange is the New Black, so I ignored it. Then I got another alert, so I picked up my phone and looked at the screen. My two alerts were from Snapchat. Someone added me, and their username was something like Jaden, with a few numbers after it, and they sent me a picture. I waited until the episode was over to open it. It was a black screen with a message saying, Hey, I ignored the message. Around six or seven minutes later, I got another Snapchat. It was a black screen saying, Why didn't you answer? Again, I ignored the snap and went back to Netflix. When my phone buzzed again, I didn't look at it. Throughout the episode, I got around four more alerts, which I ignored. Then I fell asleep. When I wake up the next morning, I had 11 alerts. Most of them were black screens saying, why aren't you answering? Or, I know you're awake, answer me. But the last one freaked me out. It was a picture of my house, taken from across the street with a caption, answer me now. I was stupid, so I didn't screenshot the pictures, but I did block him. I didn't hear anything about it for a few days, but then I got another alert of someone adding me. 
It was the same username as before, but with the one after it. Then I got sent multiple snaps. I didn't open any of them because I was in class. Four hours later, I checked my Snapchat. All of the pictures he sent me were pictures of me. Somewhere of me during lunch and some when I was walking home from school. Again, I blocked the user and I didn't get any screenshots just like last night. I then got a snap of my window, again taken across from the street by the same user, but this time with a two after it. I told my dad and he freaked out and called the police. When they arrived, I told them everything, but they couldn't do anything since I didn't have any screenshots. I don't know what to do. Update. I deleted Snapchat, but he has found me on other social medias. I've blocked him on everything and I'm thinking about deleting everything. So I was right outside my apartment. An unknown person snuck around the corner and sprayed me with pepper spray while I was looking at my phone. I could make out a tall, thin man with a backpack walking away with his hands in his pockets before I lost the ability to open my eyes. There were no other people on the sidewalk in either direction. I didn't see his face. He didn't say anything or try to take anything from me or even grab me. He didn't even stick around to watch me be all messed up. He just walked away like nothing happened. I'm very thankful I was able to feel for my keys and get back into the building. But then I started to realize I could have permanent damage if I didn't get to a sink. I couldn't find my keys to my studio and I was starting to not be able to breathe. I pounded on every door I could feel until my neighbor, whom I had never met before this moment, opened it for me. She let me in and led me to her bathroom and I tossed water everywhere. I felt so terrible for just commandeering her bathroom and bringing that smell into her place, but I was internally grateful to this lady for helping me calling the police. They didn't find him, and now I'm wondering if this was random or this dude was waiting for me. So to the asshole who randomly attacked me for who knows why, let's not meet.